Hello, and welcome to the Out of Control Women podcast, where we navigate the hills and valleys of female leadership and entrepreneurship. Here is the founder of Out of Control Media, your host, Marty Jackson. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode. I am so glad that you're here, and I am super excited for our guest today. Cassia Elder is the author of Make Me a Blessing. She is a speaker and a women's ministry leader. You know, it's her joy to connect with an online audience through her website and social media, where she has conversations about real life, engages with scripture, and navigates the practical application of how those two things fit together. What fills her cup most is to have these authentic conversations with women in person, to hug their necks, which I can tell you is totally true, hear their stories, again, I can attest to this, and share the truth of God's word. I am so excited for you to get to know her. Welcome, Cassia. Welcome to this episode with Cassia Elder. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I am doing well. Now, I want to kind of have a little bit of a disclaimer up front because people need to know that you and I um, both tend to be a little silly and it's because we are friends. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, but I know that we have a lot to learn from you. So I'm hoping that people will just go with us. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and what can I say? At this point, everything is funny. Yes. So where do we find you today? Where are Uh, you physically? I am physically in the loft of our little log cabin that sits on a creek in Washington County and um, gorgeous views all uh, all the way around, uh, but it's for sure a fixer-upper. Yes, as am I, and restoration is a process, and so it has been a fun adventure for several years for our, for our family, learning all kinds of new skills. I never thought that sanding things would be my forte but that is my calling right now <laughs> so that's where i am but all the things that you're that you do all the things that god calls you to do you put sander in there now yes yes that's almost- that's one of my spiritual gifts is running a detail sander <laughs> well done thank you everything here is wood <laughs> and so i know and see uh they people can't see it because we're on zoom and we're gonna we're gonna take out the sound but it it is beautiful the corner i can see of your home is is gorgeous but i know it's taken a lot of time yeah we have removed every last bit of drywall and literally every surface in our home is wood which needs sanded and some of it painted and clear coated and all of those things so thank you lord that it's a small house (laughs) well it's awesome so your little loft that you're in do you write there uh Kind of sometimes. Uh, it it's our bedroom, and so um, sometimes. When did you um? When did you start writing, Cassia? Because I know that all of the women who write, who or who are thinking about writing, they are going to definitely tune in. Um, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot today. We're we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But um, tell me a little bit about your journey as a writer, and when did you realize that you love the written word? So I I have loved. Uh, writing as far back as I can remember. I remember folding up 
pages and making little books. But I've been passionate about writing since fourth grade. When I remember I was in the Young Authors Club and I was standing in the art room, you know, with my handwritten book covered in cardboard and and, uh, wrapping it in that wallpaper remnant and (laughs) thinking that someday I'd love to have a real book with my name on it. And of course, what I was reading then was Ramona and Beezus. And so I thought that that was, I mean, that was my worldview, right? So I thought (laughs) that's what I would be writing is something like that. Uh, and so that's, that's how I began loving writing, but it kind of over the years, uh, I had written about 20 years ago, some children's books that just, it didn't, uh, pan out for me. So in between there, in the past 20 years, I've mostly had written journal entries and things for work. And, and I thought I wasn't really doing anything with writing, but I look back and, and realize that everything you write is practice for writing. Just like if you were a pitcher and every time you're throwing a ball, that's practice for, for pitching. Mm-hmm. And so um, about, I guess it was 2011. Now it's been nine years ago. God started mm-hmm. stirring this message for my book in my heart. And I just, I have to write. It's the way I process the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's God was teaching me this message and I was trying to understand what does it look like to be a blessing? It really, um, I just started writing it out to teach it to myself because that's how I learn. And as I was compiling my notes of learning what this looks like to bless other people and to live the other's focused life, uh, I realized that maybe it was something that other people might want to read too. And it became a book. Mm. I I love this about your book, uh, your book, make me a blessing, but I want you to kind of lead us and start us with what do you not mean? when you talk about blessing, because I think it's very important to define it, but I think it's also to say, this is actually what it doesn't mean. So can you unpack that a little bit for us today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, my pastor, Nate Ross, I've heard him say that so often we take the words of scripture and we allow the world to define them. Mm -hmm. And um, so we see the word blessed and blessing everywhere. It's on you know, blog posts and people's social media and all the decor at Hobby Lobby, right? And we see that word and it's been really dwindled down to mean fortunate or lucky, you know, or just that I'm having a great, great day. So I'm blessed. And so the world, I think, defines blessing as absence of problems and abundance of possessions, right? And that's, Mm. it's just not, it's just not what God's word says that it means to be blessed. When we, when we look at the whole of scripture, that's how we, we um, redeem the meaning of the word blessed is looking at it at the in the light of scripture. What does God's word say rather mm-hmm. than what the culture says? And what God's word really says that it means to be blessed is that every good thing in our life is a blessing. And I think that the nuance there of what really defines that difference between being fortunate and lucky or actually being blessed is recognizing the source of every good thing in our life and mm-hmm. recognizing when we realize that all of those things come from God and that he's the source of every good thing in our life. That's how we define what blessing is. Mm. I think one of the things that um, really caused me pause was uh, in reading the book, you talk about practicing gratitude as a catalyst for blessing. So in light of where we are right now in the world, what are some practical ways um, that we can do this? Or uh, maybe how are you practicing gratitude right now? Uh, What does that look like? Well, you know, gratitude is the, is the catalyst to blessing because when we recognize how blessed we are, we want other people to experience that. 
I only want to bless other people in return. And I think that um, there are so many ways to go to go about that. Um, but something that I recognized in my life is that, you know, around Thanksgiving time, especially, we make all this point to do these thankful things. And I had a Thanksgiving tree where we wrote little notes and I was posting stuff on my Facebook and we were gathering around the table talking about how blessed we are uh, and what we're thankful for. But it, it morphed into thanks stating for me. You know, I was stating the thanks, but I think that the what's important is the expressing the thanks or the giving the thanks to God mm. for those things. And so uh, I think that, that all of those ways um, one of the ways that I do practice that is that in the, I have a prayer journal in the front of my prayer journal, I have a space for gratitude, but I've, I, I try to be always cognizant of the fact that I need to not just list the things that I'm grateful for, but express that gratitude to God and give him the thanks and the, and the praise for that. Um, and then also something that's really struck me lately, um, Colossians 3, 17, um, I, I've been, has been stirring for me, uh, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then the second part of that is giving thanks to God, the father through him. And so I was been practicing that. What does that look like? Everything that I'm doing. So I was driving to the grocery store thinking, okay, can I say I'm driving to the grocery store in the name of Jesus? And, and, and if I am, how do I give thanks for that? And so I just started giving thanks to God for, that I have transportation to the grocery store and that I have gas and that I have money to buy food and that there was food left at the grocery store to, to purchase and those things. So it's just being really intentional, intentional about looking at all of those things, every good gift in our life, and then, and then following through with the act of giving thanks to God for it. I love that. And, and, but you and I have also had some conversation um, around a lot of real feelings and some real struggles. And so, um, like you said, uh, here's what blessed doesn't mean. And so people are going, okay, but your life is great or your life is fine or your life is fantastic. And you're going, okay, well, in light of disappointment, then, then how is that, especially for those of us who are walking in deep, disappointment. You know, life does not look like what we thought it would. You know, when we've got the Lisa Turkhurst book, we've got all these things yeah. that we walk through, but then we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like our kids' graduations aren't happening. Uh, we don't have opportunities that we're set up to, to go and exercise our gifts or, or to be present at, or there's these huge chasms now where they're, there's, it just kind of holds that disappointment. So in light of that, how do we how do we keep walking through in gratitude, which I know is a place that we're constantly asking each other, yeah, what are we grateful for? But how do we do that with deep, deep disappointment? Um, you know, it's it's almost funny now to me at the end of the year. Yes, last year I had it was a big year for mm -hmm. me, and I um, my my ministry was really seemed to be on a trajectory. And at the end of the year, as I was processing through, you know, what was what what has happened before, and as and looking ahead, I remember whether I whether I just prayed it or wrote it in my prayer journal, saying, "Wow, God, if you're going to top, how how will you top this year? Because this was the best year ever. And what's next year going to have in store? And next year had, had in store sitting still and waiting." <laughs> You know, and wow, some of our favorite things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, but, but tell us I'm, why, Cassia. Tell us why. Like, can, can you just if, 
only share what you're comfortable with because you know that that's that's how I roll. But um, what were some of those big things? Because because you and I experienced some big moments together last year. What are a few of them? Um, oh, last year? Yes. Um, well, in uh, in July, I launched my book, which yes. was huge for me because, um, wow, I mean, it was a yeah. dream, but to see that actually come to fruition. And then um, God just started laying out these amazing opportunities for me to share the message that he lay, laid on my heart. And it was mm. something um, so organic and so, so unmanufactured that I absolutely knew God's hand was in it. Incidents right. where someone I didn't even know would call and say, would you love to come speak at my event? Or do you want to, you know, have this opportunity to share? And so it was a, a, amazing. And that was my, my ministry was building that way. And, uh, and then of course we had this mission trip to Romania, which changed my, you know, life. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, and just wanting to, uh, definitely wanting to go back there, but wanting to, to mm -hmm. run forward of how do I serve that ministry really with out of the overflow of, of what God was already doing in, mm -hmm. in my life and my ministry. And how can I, how can I serve that? And, and just look, looking forward to those mm -hmm. things. And so, yes, it was just a huge year in all of those, yes. in all of ways. And I had some things lined up this year that I was excited about that just got some canceled and some postponed and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and some things that are just dangling. <laughs> sure. so. You're like, the only thing that should dangle are earrings. Like this is not, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> not yeah. my life, not my plans, no, not, yeah. the, not the things. Yeah. Um, but I also know those are, those are, we're, we're joyful things. And still, I know that God's got, got a good plan, but I know that there are yeah. also people that are really suffering in a really hard, so I don't want to make light of the fact that, that disappointment can be just a really deep, difficult place mm -hmm. for people. And I think that sometimes, me personally, I've gotten some of these false ideas in Christianity and, mm -hmm. uh, and one of them was that there's something unholy about admitting that we're disappointed or that mm -hmm. we just need to say, oh, it's okay. It's, it's fine. And, you know, and I think there's a difference between denying disappointment and saying your will be done. There, there's mm -hmm. a difference there. Mm -hmm. And I think that the first step to that is acknowledging the disappointment and, and really being authentic. God knows what we're feeling anyway. He knows it better than we do, but really being authentic and open with him and expressing that deep disappointment with him and, and explaining, giving ourselves permission to be disappointed and saying, yes, I'm sad. And God, here's my, here's what I'm struggling with. Uh, unprocessed disappointment can lead to bitterness and it causes us to be cynical where we just start to put on a hard exterior where we stop caring about mm -hmm. things so that we don't get disappointed any further. And so um, unprocessed disappointment does that where we just look, well, that's fine. I don't care. I don't care about anything. And we become rough. Um, but, uh, you know, I used to work in, in lean manufacturing and one of the seven deadly wastes is over-processing. And so <laughs> yeah. we need to process our disappointment, but we also need to not live there and over-process it. Um, I went through a season where I over-processed some disappointment and I refused to, to hope again. And I refused to look forward. And really then I couldn't even enjoy the moments anymore because I always just, just anticipated disappointment around the corner. 
Mm. And so I think that we need to give ourselves permission to acknowledge that disappointment, seek out wise counsel of godly people who can walk through it with us, not necessarily someone who's going to commiserate with us, but someone's going to walk arm in arm and, 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 and not make light of our disappointment or say, Oh, all things work together for the good. They do. But Mm -hmm. we also need someone who's going to acknowledge and process that that's okay to be disappointed. And we're going to work through this together and, and, and see God's goodness. And then to really give it over to him, to give it up to him as a, really as a sacrifice of here's, here's the thing that I hoped for. And yet I still trust that you're good and I'm sad and I'm disappointed, but I'm trusting your plan for me. Is this something that you're writing about right now? How, how does writing work for you? I know we're going to, I'm going to ask you some specifics here in a minute, but, but do you write just for yourself too? Do you still process that way? Yeah, actually writing is the way that I, that I process the world. So if I'm dealing with something, I have to write it down. Now, a lot of times if it's something um, negative that I need to just process, but I don't want to, uh, to maybe live in infamy. (laughs) I might write it out and process it and then burn that, you know, like I process that I got through it, but I don't want my family reading this in a journal a hundred years from now thinking this is the person that I was. Um, so, so definitely that, but yes, I do. I do some of that, but then also really there are times when I just can't when I just um, need to, to live in that moment. But God recalls to me those things that happened previously without me having to go back and look. So there's some mm-hmm. of both of that okay. There seems to be almost some mysticism around writers. You know, yeah. we, we figure you all live by creeks in the, in the middle of I rural do. Indiana in an all wood cabin. And you, <laughs> I do do that. You do. Yes. But can you talk a little bit, because writers always want to know, how do other writers write? And, and this, to me, because I'm, I am, I'm a failed blogger, um, I, like I, I failed at blogging, and I do like to write, but I don't like to show anybody my things, so, um, so I don't process that way, but, but writers really are interested in how other writers write. What is your process? What are your tools? What... Do you always write in your cabin? Do you, what, what does that look like for you? Can you walk us through? Yeah. So it is so funny to me when I'm watching TV and, and, you know, you see a writer on a movie or a television show that just sits down on a laptop and a blank screen. And that is, I, I, nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> if I write that way. You're like I'm ready and nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> that blank screen is as blank as my brain. And so um, really things come to me when my, when I uh, slow down or when I'm otherwise occupied in a way that my brain is not busy when I'm not distracted. Mm-hmm. And so that might be like when I'm driving. And so I'm, I'm driving and I'm focused on that. So I can't multitask with something else and things will come, come to me or, or really often when I'm trying to go to sleep at night, (laughs) so I'm not distracted by anything else or, um, when I'm sanding boards, which happens so frequently, I, I always have a notebook nearby and really I'm just constantly, I have one in my purse. Um, I very frequently, if I'm, if I'm, you know, driving or otherwise like occupied somewhere where I can't, you know, scribble it down. I'll send myself a voice 
to text mm-hmm. um, when I have these ideas. And so I, uh, my, my first book, I had chicken scratches everywhere. I am still finding things places and I'm like, oh, that was supposed to go in the book. <laughs> well, God had what in there when he wanted to be in there, I guess. And so um, there was, there was just, I just, you know, write everywhere, mm-hmm. wherever I am and put down ideas. And when I sit down to my computer to actually type thing, it, type things down, it's really more of um, either doing the research for the, for the biblical foundation of the things that I'm, that I'm looking for or compiling the things that I've already written and then refining my thoughts and ordering them. So really all of my writing is done in scratches everywhere else. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more organized this time because I know that it's, it's going to be a book. And so I have some, some tabs <laughs> to some degree, but really I'm, it's kind of all over the place. I know that's not helpful to someone who wants order and ideas on how to write well, but I, I write it down when it comes to me because if I don't write it down right now, later I'll be like, hmm, what was that thought? And I can't remember it. But I think it's also hopeful because I think a lot of times people think I have to have three hours uninterrupted and I need to be, you know, with the wind coming from the, you know, you're like, stop, like, like, stop, you know, God, if, if you are in tuned, he will give you. Yes. You have to create space, but you have to also know what works for you. Yes. Yes. When you, when you said you were driving a car, I was like, oh, please don't say you're writing your book. Too. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we know that writers read. We, we know that you do. What are you reading right now? Um, and then I want to know, what are you writing right now? So what are you reading and what are you writing? That's so funny that people say writers are good readers. I'm a really slow reader, but I also love to collect books. <laughs> and I love to start things. And so I kind of made a, a loose resolution at the end, at the beginning of the year that I wasn't going to buy any more books until I had gotten through, you know, a good portion of the stack of books that I'd already collected. Uh, but during this stay at home order, we've been doing a lot of Amazon shopping and then you just need one more thing to get free shipping. And I'm like, oh, I'll add a book or, <laughs> oh, my friend wrote a book and I can't not support my friend by buying their book. Yes, you're a and good then, friend. You are know, a good thank friend. You. Thank you. And, uh, and then, um, you know, I get it and I want to start reading it right away. So I actually have, um, my mother would be horrified. I probably have five or six books that I've started reading, but what I'm actively reading right now is, um, my friend Martin Holman from high school wrote a novel called Flat Earth and it's really indulgent for me. You know, I'm a one. And so it's really indulgent for me to read fiction because I feel like I should be learning something if I'm spending time reading. So I'm, I'm reading some of that. And then um, also Jesus over everything by Lisa Whittle. Mm. Oh my goodness. That's powerful, impactful. It's definitely life-changing. So I'm excited about, about that book. This one has shown up on every recommended list that we've put together, uh, both for ministry and for out of control. And so I have it and I, it is queued up as soon as I am done with uh, the book I'm doing now, I've got that one ready to go. So I can't wait to hear more about that. So did you do the study or just read the book? I am just reading the okay. book that is a study, but, um, and, and I signed up for some videos too, but, um, yeah, she speaks my language. I am really, I'm really feeling connected to the things she's saying. So, so what are you working on right now? Or are you at rest? What are, what are you doing? 
I am working on my new, my next book and uh, it is called the 12 ways of Christmas. And it is cultivating a season that's restful, not stressful. Mm. And so for years, I've been married for 20 years now and for years, um, my husband at the end, after Christmas, he'd say, we are never doing Christmas again. We're just going to stay home. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, you know, um, I would get a little excited <laughs> at Christmas or get that Christmas let down at that, you know, build up these high expectations and then have, have, un- have them unmet mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And one year we came home from Christmas and, and we were just having a conversation in the car and everyone said, this is the best Christmas we've ever had. And so uh, I just started processing what made this year different than all those other years when we were stressed out and um, overwhelmed and, and Christmas was not what we expected it to be. And hoping that, that other people probably have that same experience as I've, I've shared that with people and they're like, oh, I need that. In my yes. Life. Yes. Yeah, I'm I, excited about that. That's I need life. this. I need yeah. this in my life. I need this in my life. Yeah. And so that's what I'm working on. My objective was to launch it this October so that it was available for Christmas. But I am, uh, we'll talk about that in a a minute. I'm open-handed. I'm not making any plans. I'm just going with God's got a good one. (laughs) And it'll happen when it happens. Excellent. Excellent. I love, I love everything about what you just said. You admitted to being a one, which... (laughs) Which I'm constantly trying to make you a seven, but that makes me a real seven. So we 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 are friends, and I and I love that you're a one. Thank you. I love that you're a seven. I need to celebrate more, and thank you for helping me to do that. I know. I'm like, let's have a party. Um, but we need but to plan the party. <laughs> yes. Yes. I re- I remember you specifically saying that to me. Um, when I launched my book and you said, so now what? And I said, I need to steward this well. And you're, you're like, but, but, and I'm like, what? And you're, but you need to celebrate it. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess I'll do that. But there's work to do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so good too, because I'm like, let's go. And you're like, we need a plan. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh, okay. We need a plan. We, we need each other. That's that's why we are. That's why the body is parts of a whole. I know. I know. It's so funny too because then you're like, yes, we should we should have fun. Like I loved it when we were over there, and then but when we were getting ready to go, and I'm like, here are the plans for Romania. You're like, you made plans. <laughs> I'm like, I did. I channeled so my inner one. Yes. I'm learning so much. So proud of you. Oh, I'm proud of you. Okay, so we ask this question of every woman on the podcast. Um, out of control women are surrendered to purpose, serving their community, and impacting the world. So, in light of this definition, how is Cassia an out of control woman? You know, when I first uh, had the idea or the, decided that this, what I, what I was teaching me was going to be a book, I um, had, you know, heard some voices and some, not, not voices, <laughs> influences, <laughs> voices of people who write. Human <laughs> voices. Yes, yes. I'd gotten input from people. That, that there was a very narrow way to do this. 
and that it had to be done a specific way. And even well-meaning Christian people um, can put parameters that aren't God's parameters. Mm. And so I really had this idea that, 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 that the publishing of my book had to go a certain way and the, you know, what that needed to look like. And as um, God started to put some people in my path to let me know that maybe that, that, that he had something different planned for me and that mm-hmm. there's not only one right way to go about doing things. And when I surrendered my plans and my ministry and my book to him, that's when everything started to just happen in ways that I knew I couldn't have made them happen mm-hmm. because I gave it over to him because I no longer I no longer continued to pray, God, give me this, this, and this. I was praying bold, specific prayers, but those bold, specific prayers that I were, was praying were not in alignment with what his his plan was. And so it's good to pray those things, but it's also important to, to not just make my plans and ask him to bless them, but mm. ask him for input in the plans. And what are your plans, God? Yes, yeah. What are your plans? And, and so, and now at this stage where we just cannot plan really next week, I don't, we don't know what's <clears throat> going to happen. Just learning to to live open-handedly and to that doesn't mean that we don't look forward and we don't hope and we don't dream um but also that we hold on to those things loosely knowing that if that doesn't happen god is still good and his plans better than mine anyway mm-hmm. i love that you said that because i heard yesterday um i don't remember who i heard it from but it was brilliant and i'd love to give you know credit if anybody wants to drop it in the comments but um we find ourselves being able to plan for the next two days and two years from now. There's this huge gap in between that we're all like, we don't know. Yes. We don't know. And yeah. and I I think um I th- I think to your point, you know, there we do. God knows our heart. Yeah. But it's but it's also he's like, but my ways, not your ways, my ways. And do you want my ways? And I think that, that is a be- that's a beautiful thing for you to say is is you're going, okay, here's this gift that God's asked you to steward, but how do you keep giving it back to him? Yeah. So as you're writing this next book, where do you find yourself in surrender there, Kasia? Um, I mean, just what I said, I had this, this, I had a plan and I had it all scheduled out in my planner that this book was coming at this time. And then this next, I mean, I have the next several uh, in mind and already kind of outlined and framed okay. and when I'm going to start kind of researching that and whatever. And I had a timeline that I had arbitrarily decided on <laughs> based on what I thought I could accomplish in a time frame, really. Sure. And sure. so I'm just learning that, that God does have a plan for it mm-hmm. and that it's, it may not be that pretty spreadsheet that I created. <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to move the dates, <laughs> whatever it is that, that his dates are for that. I love that. Well, we are more than fans. We are just grateful to be friends at here at Out of Control Women with you. Tell us how can the ladies who are maybe hearing from you for the very first time, how can they find you? How can they get to know a little bit more about Make Me a Blessing and some of the up and coming projects? Tell us where we can find you. Okay. Um, I, my website's castiaelder.com and I'm on Facebook, uh, Castia Elder Author. That's my, that's my ministry page where you mm-hmm. will see fewer pictures of my garden and dog and <laughs> house. <laughs> 
Uh, and then I'm on Instagram, and my book's available on Amazon. So it's Fantastic. a make me a blessing. Fantastic. You do not want to miss this. And there's a book, and there's a study guide. And yes. they work so beautifully together. So you. definitely went ahead to Amazon. Cassia Elder, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. It was amazing to be with you. Thank you for having me, and I had so much fun. All right. Well, we're going to have you back. Okay. We're going to talk Enneagram next time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Oh my goodness. How great was that conversation? I have to admit to you though, I'm beginning to think that I just need to leave the microphone on though. Um, and then just tell them that we stopped because the conversations that we are having after we have recorded the podcast are hilarious. Um, it usually involves some kind of, um, I don't know, at some point, some kind of belly laugh uh, going on. But the women that we have on Out of Control Women are women who are stepping into their calling. You know, when we created the website and we created this podcast, we wanted both of those places to be places where women can hear stories about other women taking their next best step. We didn't want women to feel like they were upsold or that there was something else that was coming. We just want to sit with women for a little while to have a conversation. We'd love to have you over and pull up a chair on our porch, but that's not feasible depending on where everybody is in the world. So we wanted it to feel that way. You know, as we begin to make changes here at Out of Control Women, we want you to be able to connect directly. So keep an eye out on outofcontrolwomen.com. Follow us on social media. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That'd be fantastic. As we begin to retool how we come alongside women to step into their calling. Thanks so much.